Thank you for joining us in the Fastest Known Podcast for part two of our special edition on the pandemic that is affecting all of us. This episode, we're going to talk to race directors. Obviously, they're quite affected by the virus just as much as the runners are because it's also their livelihood. We're talking right now with James Varner of Rain Shadow Running from Winthrop, Washington. Welcome, James. Thanks, Buzz. It's uh, good to be on the program. Yeah, well, this is, uh, as I just mentioned, this is interesting because obviously runners say, oh, man, I trained for this race. I can't do it. Uh, but as a race director, let's double that. You're preparing for the race. You can't do it. But that also means you're out of a job, so to speak. You're out of income. So let help me out here. Rain Shadow Running has events over a dozen different weekends. So what does this look like to you? Yeah, it's it's quite the disruption. Uh, that's for sure. Um, obviously, um, you know, we're obviously bummed for for everyone and and you know uh, saddened for anyone that's lost someone or dealing with a, a sick relative or loved one. Um, but yeah, as a, as a business person, this is completely put on hold our business. Um, you know, we kind of operate on a kind of a two week financial, you know, uh, you know, income expenses forecasting kind of thing. And, uh, uh, the previous two weeks we were at 33% of our forecast for revenue. And this two week period that we're currently in, uh, we're at, we're, at, we're, um, we're trending to have about 10% of our normal revenue. So that's, you know, that's a major hit to our revenue. It's not quite zero, but it's pretty darn close to zero. Um, and then, uh, for upcoming spring events, we've got three weekends of races coming up in April and May. Uh, each of those, uh, are almost certain to not happen on schedule. Uh, right now in Washington state, uh, there's a ban on, well, the, the bands have gone up and up in, in stringency, uh, very rapidly. But, uh, so basically most likely those events won't happen. We're working on trying to get them postponed to the fall. Uh, and then we're not sure about our summer events. And, and really some of these forecasts are saying that we, we might not even be able to do fall events. Uh, I'm, I'm of the mindset of trying to be hopeful that with, uh, social distancing and, and lots of precautions, um, and help from, you know, our government and help from the medical and researchers and scientists that we can get through this, you know, within a matter of weeks or maybe just a couple of months. And hopefully by sometime this summer, life is starting to get back to normal. And maybe by the fall, you know, our, our events are happening totally on schedule again. And, uh, I, I kind of, I don't like to think about the consequences of if our economy really is shut down uh, into the fall and beyond the fall. I mean, that, that would be a lot of, um, right. A lot of disruption to our lives. So, um, so yeah, so for well, us, James, it's, it's a major James, problem. just a, a quick note here. Yeah, definitely a major problem. I think people are, many people are working from home now, but they're at mostly their, their normal salary or you're at 10% of yours. So you're getting close to that of a restaurant worker and people like that who are getting shut down. And, of course, being runners, we identify with race directors, which is generally not a high-profit enterprise 
anyway. Right, right. So you've, you mentioned your time frame. I was going to ask you if you've canceled out to a certain date and have the rest of the dates opened. I would presume just right now that everything in April and May is kind of off the table. Is that how you're seeing it? Yeah, and then we have a race in late June that uh, we have not canceled or postponed yet. Uh, obviously, we're paying close attention to everything that's happening. Like, uh, like probably pretty much most people in this on the planet are paying close attention. So uh, we do know that you know um, folks need to be training uh, for the races they're signed up for, or at least they would like to be training. And so that's one consideration is. Uh, how are people able to train through this when they're worried about putting food on the table and paying their bills uh, and when they're not maybe able to travel to their trails or, you know, to have a safe place to run. Um, so right. it, it's uh that's a consideration. Even if we're allowed to put on the race, um, ethically, should we put on races is, you know, a big question. So. Um, well, thank so, you for keeping keeping it all in mind, James. I appreciate the fact that, that you're being thoughtful. If I may editorialize, I think in this situation, yes, as long as ethics the ethics are that it's safe in terms of spreading a pandemic, then you should do it. That would be my personal opinion. And if people are coming in ill-prepared, well, hey, it's supposed to be fun anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Right. But yeah. I, it, I mean, definitely okay. I've done plenty of races where I wasn't fully trained. <laughs> and you suffer a little bit more, but we kind of do these ultras because of the suffering to a certain degree, right? So it's just a little bit more of what we want anyhow. Um, <laughs> Something like that. And <laughs> as and as uh, on this particular aspect, James, you raised something that's very important. As you know, yesterday they postponed the Olympics. Uh, I should note that Yesterday was um, Monday. Today is uh, Tuesday. So people listening to this know that we're talking on, on Tuesday because everything changes every day. So they're yeah. probably going to be listening to this a few days later, after which everything we said has been updated and changed. So this is Tuesday. Yesterday, they postponed the Olympics. They did not cancel it yet. Maybe they will. I don't think they will. I think they are going to hold the Olympics in 2021. But as per your comment, James, the reason they postponed it isn't actually because of Japan. It's because the athletes can't train. It's literally illegal in many parts of the world for them to practice their sport right now. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so, I mean, as race directors, that's the kind of thing we need to be thinking about is – uh um you know, just because we can doesn't necessarily mean we should. And, and can we do it safely? And is it the right thing for the society and for our runners? You know, one thing we had been working on just, uh, oh gosh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago when this thing really started blowing up and, and we were starting to see, you know, uh, here in Washington state, you know, they were, they were recommending, but not requiring that events, um, uh, 250 people or less, uh, be canceled, um, but they weren't requiring it. For more than 250 people, they were requiring it. So uh, our next race was just under that person threshold. So we were strategizing all kinds of different ways to operate a race where people could have social distancing, where we could limit um, the spread of the virus, you know, you know, things like doing our aid stations in a drastically different way where people aren't 
putting a hundred hands in the same bowl of M&Ms and, uh, touching the same, you know, water cooler to get water in their water or the volunteers filling up, you know, a hundred different people's water bottles, you know, like trying to really figure out ways to, um, limit the amount of touching of shared space, like putting hand sanitizer everywhere, hand washing stations everywhere, um, you know, gloves. And I mean, stuff that, you know, maybe we should be really considering anyhow as a sport, but kind of ultra runners have kind of always gotten away with like, ah, oh, we like run around in the dirt. We're not worried about germs, you know, that much. So I think the sport maybe needs to evolve a little bit in that direction anyhow. Um, Good idea. But so we were just trying to be really proactive in case we could do the race to make it as safe as possible. Um, and maybe even taking some pretty extreme steps for us individually as at rain shadow, because we were known kind of for our post race parties, just as much as our scenic and challenging race courses. And so we always have a live or almost always have a live band and a mobile pizza oven and kegs of beer. And we encourage friends and family to come and they can eat and drink and celebrate with their runners and the volunteers. Like everyone's just one big happy family. And of course, that's just a big no-no right now with social distancing. So we were like, well, maybe we can still do the race, but we'll limit the party to just the runners and, and ask people to not bring their friends and family to the race. And and maybe we'll just have kegs of beer, but maybe we won't do the full amount of food like we normally do. So so just really trying to strategize in these unprecedented times to still be able to get the core thing, which is getting out and getting exercise and, and being a part of the community, but doing it in a way that was safe. But obviously right now, uh, the, the strategy that I think everyone's being asked to follow is to limit, uh, their exposure, limit their contact to other people, limit anything that might, you know, uh, cause stress on our, our uh, emergency services, our hospitals. So, um, so yeah, so races right now are out of the question, but really hoping we can get back to normal soon. James, that description was very poignant. It's, it's, you know, we're, we're, I've adjusted to the existing situation in many ways, you know, personal hygiene, household hygiene, social distancing, et cetera. But when you describe that, it's like, wow, yeah, the party, the band, the mobile pizza oven, right. the beer, everyone just hanging around and chumming it up. It's like, wow, I, I that seems so long ago, so well, thank right. you in a way for that reminder. It kind of makes me feeling a little <laughs> sad here. Uh. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, this is a drastic change to our lives that we're experiencing and, and hopefully it's temporary. Hopefully we can get back to what we love doing and, and being, we're very social creatures, right? So, uh, I, I love the ultra running community or I love the sport of ultra running because of the community. You know, we, we bond so much on our group training runs and, and carpooling out to a race together or, uh, you know, running in a pack of runners and everybody kind of teasing each other or, or talking about the next race you're going to run. Like, uh, you know, and of course, you know, sharing a beer, or a slice of pizza at the finish line and laying in the grass and, and telling lies about how fast, fast we ran and stuff. He's, that's, you know, the, the personal interactions is what is one of my favorite things about the sport. And, and one of the main reasons I ended up becoming a race director and, uh, one of the reasons why I, I put up with all the stresses and the challenges of, of this kind of job is because I really enjoy bringing people together like that and having those fun experiences. So it's really hard right now when, when we can't go have a potluck with our friends or go on that group run or, 
Um, but I, I think oh, we're going to get through it. James, maybe this podcast wasn't that good of an idea. You're making me all sad here. You're, <laughs> oh, my God. Why am I talking to you? It's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, you know, you are calling someone who's uh, basically in the epicenter uh, or, you know, the original epicenter in, you know, the United States. I mean, uh, we right. had a, the outbreak in the Seattle suburbs and uh, right. like th- these races that we've postponed and can't uh, postponed here in the spring, about half the runners signed up lived, I would guess, within 20 to 30 miles of, of Kirkland, Washington, where that nursing home is, uh, where there were so many of the, the first deaths in, in the United States. So so here in Washington State, you know, uh, it's been very real to us for quite a while. It's It's been um, the, the, the negatives of it has been really real. But, you know, to spin it uh, buzz in a positive way, um, we're, we're already, I think, starting to see some, some real positive things come out of this. I mean, I've, I've been talking to my immediate neighbors, you know, on my street more than I ever have before. And I've been spending more time at home doing little projects around the house and, and enjoying, you know, what we can do without getting in the car and going anywhere. And speaking of cars, think of all the emissions that we're not emitting, uh, that the planet is thanking us right now for staying home. Uh, so James, I have a, a strange metric and again, uh-huh. you're spinning it up. This is you, James. I mean, <laughs> this way people like you, this way people like to go to your races. You, the positive energy, social, communal, you, you hold that space. Of course, you're making me cry right now, but other uh-huh. than that, it's all good. <laughs> but here's an interesting metric teeing off of what you just said. Someone analyzed China, of course, which was the original epicenter, Wuhan province, of course, and they, this is, this is challenging, so I, I'm just no. I'm not saying this is fact at all. I'm just noting that they ran the numbers and they thought the pandemic might have saved lives because of air Interesting. pollution. Wow. Air pollution kills so many more people, actually. And so when the factory shut down, particularly the cement plants and the steel plants shut down in Wuhan, air pollution went down. And people, of course, got sick and many people perished. But overall, it was almost a win. Again, don't quote me on that, but uh, that was scientific evidence to that effect recently. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, when we change our habits and change, you know, what we're doing with our lives, I mean, yeah, I mean, there can be all kinds of positive benefits that come out of this. And, uh, you know, one of those things I, I hope is that people realize uh, you know, like right now, like, you know, for me personally as a race director, I have greatly reduced um, my non-essential expenses as for the business. We're greatly reducing our non-essential expenses. Um, so, so we're consuming less. So we're, we're drawing less resources from the planet. We're creating less pollution. Um, and I, I'm hoping that other people that are making these adjustments, maybe, maybe when we go back to normal, maybe we can figure out a way to live with some of those non-essential things and, and we can reduce our impact on the planet and, and we can Excellent. continue yeah, to, to maybe make something positive out of this. Excellent. Excellent. There is a, another minor little theory here, much more subjective than my previous one, which was statistics-based, but this one is more mythologically-based, nemesis. The, is not, does not originally mean enemy. Nemesis was the Greek goddess who meted out judgment to those with hubris and arrogance. So maybe we're being visited by nemesis now. And she was a positive figure. 
And if you get carried away, if you think, hey, we can do anything we want, we can live beyond our means, we don't have to take care of Mother Earth, boom, you know, the hammer comes down, you pull back a little bit, life goes on, maybe as you suggest, better than before. So let's uh, appreciate your perspective. And James, I want to also note that this is coming, your perspective is coming from someone who's being hit really hard economically so that you can offer a positive perspective. I'd like to just congratulate you for. Well, yeah, thanks. It's, uh, I think positivity is, is uh, kind of our way forward, right? We all got to uh, do our part and do our best and kind of look out for each other. Um, and I think staying positive is, is a big part of that. And, uh, obviously we have to be realistic. This is, um, this has been really hard for a lot of people, you know, at rain shadow, you know, uh, uh, just, um, you know, a week and a half ago, we were a staff of five. Now we're a staff of one, just me. Um, you know, uh, our four employees were laid off and, um, you know, we're really hoping we can get them back on staff as soon as possible. Um, we're hoping we can figure out ways to help them pay their bills and, um, hopefully they can stay safe through all this. You know, it's, uh, um, this is a, you know, this is, um, this is a serious thing for a lot of people, but, uh, you know, staying positive, um, even through harsh challenges, just like running a hundred miles or on a, on a long FKT attempt, right? I, uh, you know, it's uh, staying, keeping that positive mindset can help you overcome when, you know, you've got blisters on your feet or your stomach's gone sour or, uh, you know, you're only at mile 30 in a hundred mile run. You got to stay positive and know that, you know, you're going to feel better and it'll turn around. So um, I think as ultra runners, we have a lot of experience overcoming challenges and, you know, we're going to get through this. That's another good analogy. It is like running a hundred miler. What hundred miler goes according to plan? Right, exactly. <laughs> and unlike a 10K, if, if you make a mistake in a 10K, you've lost. You're off it. <laughs> but something Peter Backlund always said, you can come back in 100. Right, <laughs> you yeah. can You can crash, you can burn, you can bonk, and you can scrape yourself up, and you can come back in a 100-miler. Right, totally. Yeah, and I think, you know, step one is stay positive. Step two is, is really uh, examine the steps that you need to take to deal with that problem and, and just start checking off your to-do list and get, get through those and get, just keep moving forward. So same thing can apply, um, to all of us going through this problem right now. I'm going to ask you two quick technical questions. If I yeah, may, yeah. this has just been brilliant. We should have ended with this. So I'm going to end <laughs> on uh, irritating technical questions. So are you canceling or postponing till the fall at this point in time? Um, we are, we are working towards postponing our permitting agencies and other stakeholders are, they like that idea. They're supportive of that. Um, we haven't gotten official approval yet. Uh, I think some of them aren't even in their offices today because of Washington's gone into full shutdown mode. Um, so I'm not sure when we'll get that official announcement, but what we're, what we're offering to our runners, um, assuming that we will be able to postpone, um, we're offering them uh, multiple options. They can either stay in the race, basically, which means we'll automatically switch them over to the new date in the fall. Uh, or they can, uh, if for some reason that date doesn't work for them or they don't want to do it at that time of year or something, they can transfer their entry to a friend or, or somebody 
Um, and, and that person can run the race for them. And we have a process for that. Uh, or they can roll over their entry to next year or the year after. Or if none of those options work, uh, like if they're in really dire financial straits and they, and they just, they want to re- refund, um, I've encouraged them to just send me an email. We'll talk through it. Um, and so far, you know, we made that announcement two days ago, uh, to over a thousand runners. We, we, we said that too. And, uh, most of them, all of them have been extremely supportive. I want to say that very clearly. Like everyone has been really understanding and really nice, um, you know, with concerns for me and our staff and just, you know, general concerns for, for the world we're in. Um, and a few people have taken up the, 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 taken us up on the offer to roll over to next year. Uh, one person has asked for transfer so far that I've talked to. And, uh, one person with extenuating circumstance, actually, they actually wanted to upgrade to a longer race because now they have a lot more time to train. Uh, <laughs> so they want to upgrade to the 50 mile option. So, so, so far, uh, the response has been really positive. Um, it's been really good for us in a financial sense. You know, we, uh, if, if we had to offer everyone cash refunds for, for their entry fees, um, we'd be, You'd we'd be, be in tough trouble. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, a, a lot of people might not understand kind of the finances of directing races. You know, they pay the entry fee in advance and they show up on race day and, you know, all of this food and water and supplies have magically appeared and volunteers have magically appeared and, and they get to run their race. But in reality, you know, that money that they give us in advance, we're spending on a variety of things we have to spend oftentimes months in advance. Um, and it things goes to things like payroll to, to do all the different tasks that need to be done. Uh, things like permit fees and, uh, you know, the rent in our office and internet fees and transportation to the race and, you know, just buying the food at the aid stations and the post race. So there's a lot of expenses. Some of them don't get spent until race week, but a lot get spent in advance. And so, um, so that person that gave us a hundred dollars for, you know, Sun Mountain 50 K a good chunk of that hundred dollars has already been spent. And so we understand that some people really, you know, are really tight financial situation. And, and maybe for some of those people, we can give them a refund or a partial refund, but hopefully most runners are understanding and have the flexibility and can wait and be like, okay, well, we were going to run in April, but now we'll run in November and it's, it's okay. Um, and so that will help us to be able to spread out the, the financial hit of this and, not over, spread it out over ourselves, spread it out over a time period, but then also spread it out for the runners too. So the ones that can withstand losing a little bit of money, you know, they take a hit for the ones that are in the worst shape possible. But I also do, I, I'm glad you're going to talk to another race director, or maybe you already have, but, um, you know, I, I've been following to see what other races are doing and what kind of, what the kind of the community consensus is. And it's kind of all over the map. You know, some race directors are offering virtual runs and some race directors are canceling and, and offering refunds. And, uh, and then there's a lot of kind of in between ground, the postponements and, and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, for each race director and race, um, it's a different set of circumstances. Some races we direct cost a lot for us to put on. Like the permits are really high and we've got to travel really far to put on. Other races are really inexpensive for us to put on. So 
so the, the, the finances of, of putting on races are sometimes really, um, really unknown to the runners. And we've just tried to be really clear with our runners with, with what we're thinking as, cause it's a, it's been an evolving process. So we, we let them know like, Hey, right now we're thinking we're going to have the race. Um, and then we email, update them, you know, a week later, like, Oh, actually the state just told us we can't have the race. Uh, just want to let you know that, but we're working on trying to figure out what our policy is going to be. And so it's, we're trying to be as open with our communication as possible. We're trying to be as understanding of the runner's concerns. We're trying to really think about everyone's safety and also trying to be, try to do what's right for us as a business and make it through this. Um, you know, right. uh, this James, could be, you have been, this could go on for a little while. And as you said, <laughs> I sometimes it could go, go on into the future as well. So making yeah. uh, positive changes right now is very, very helpful. You've been extremely articulate. You've explained this very well. In my personal opinion, you have presented four options none of which is the right answer, but you've presented options. So to me, the correct answer is transparency, honesty, and courage. So I think you've done that very well. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's it hasn't been easy to figure out, but the, the great thing is that, um, you know, our runners are very understanding. The ultra running community is, is, is full of a bunch of really nice people. And I, I think we all just realize we're all in it together and, um, I think if we just be nice to each other, it makes everything easier. So, so again, I do want to say thank you to to everybody out there and and to encourage everybody to just just be nice to each other out there and and do what we can to stay sane through this through this ordeal. Full agreement, James. Thank you. The second half of our special podcast with race directors finishes with Justin Ricks speaking to us from Moab, Utah. Welcome, Justin. Thanks for having me today, Buzz. Yeah, well, you're a perfect guest because uh, for people who don't know exactly who you are, you and I have known each other a long time. You're the director of Mad Moose Events, I think the largest director of ultra races in the Rocky Mountain area, certainly in Colorado and Utah. You can tell us a little bit more about that in a minute. And you're a longtime runner, an excellent racer yourself. You told me, which I did not know this, that you had been running since you, <laughs> this is this is amazing, since you were five years old, and then you paced your dad at the 100-mile race, the Arkansas Traveler. So you, you go back in the sport a long time. Yes, I do. I've been involved since I was young and, and, uh, got to see, you know, quite a few things as I grew up in the sport. And now obviously you're in the hot seat. Again, I'm really sorry about this, Justin. I think everyone is in that just like the restaurant business and others that have been ordered to close, there are no races. Um, most places in the world, certainly not in the United States and certainly not in Colorado and Utah by you know, mandate. Uh, now I take that back a little bit and certainly by state mandate in Colorado, but not state mandate in Utah. In Utah, it is by local mandate. Uh, so this, this is interesting. This is kind of a little controversial local. So you're getting hit hard. 
I should notice here also that you have a lovely wife, Denise, who I know well is, is also, and two kids. So you have to support a family and you have no income right now. Yeah, I mean, not currently. We we did start up a virtual event and uh, we haven't done a very good job of offering our uh, our merchandise online. So we'll be we'll be putting some stuff online for that. Just trying to keep our revenues going during this uh, down period. Okay, good. So you have a virtual event going. You're going to be selling some merchandise. That's excellent. Now, before we get into the Moab detail. How far out on the calendar have you either canceled and or postponed the events? For example, you through April, through into May, do you have a particular date? And are you canceling or postponing until fall? So we uh, cancel, we've canceled five so far. Uh, our, our next event that, that we have not canceled is our high drive event in Colorado Springs on May 23rd. Uh, but we have paused registration for seven events. So we're no longer taking registrations on seven races until uh, October. So uh, we just feel like at this time that uh, we're, we haven't canceled those seven, but we are putting them on pause until we know more. And if we feel comfortable, then we'll reopen registration and host the event. If not, then then we'll go from there. Gotcha. So you're up to May 23rd, and they're not being postponed. They're being canceled at this point in time. Yeah, we canceled them. We did not postpone. We just felt like uh, a lot of people are going to try to postpone into the fall. There's going to be a lot of other races this fall. Uh, we also have 20 events, so we've just felt like we had plenty of other opportunities on our own schedule for runners to run other events in the fall, and there was no reason to to push things out and try to condense it all into six months. Right. I got it. 20 events. That's a lot. You've done well. You've only been in, this is just your sixth year, so you're cranking. And for listeners who don't know, Mad Moose events, you purchased the Moab Red Hot, from Chris Martinez. Uh, that's an iconic event. So you're kind of the guy for trail running in Colorado and Utah right now. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got a, we've got some, uh, our, our Moab events are definitely larger than our Colorado events, but uh, like, I think we've got 12 ultra events and I think we've got 14 trail races. So two of them are not, don't have an ultra distance. So, and then we've got some road races as well. So we've got the big road races here in, in, in Moab. And that was one of the first event that we did cancel was Canyonlands Half Marathon that's been around for 45 years. And it was canceled for the first time ever this year. Canyonlands Half is iconic. Yes. So we've been directing that one for three years. And, uh, yeah, it was an unfortunate thing. Indeed. Well, Justin, tell me how this is looking in Moab because Moab is to me, is very interesting in that it's a pure tourist-based economy. Yesterday, uh, earlier in this podcast, we talked with James Varner out in Washington State, which was the epicenter of the pandemic hitting the United States. And of course, they're canceling and postponing. Uh, but that's a huge, giant, vibrant economy, a tech economy in the Pacific Northwest. Well, Moab is pure tourist. So to cancel events in Moab is very interesting. Now, I don't know this. You're going to tell me, hopefully. But my 
thought might be that plenty of townspeople want things to continue because that's how they put food on the table. You know, they wait tables, literally. They own businesses. They work in the tourism industry. They want people to come. But then I would also presume other people do not want tourists to come because it obviously means the pandemic could come to them. They are less safe. The mayor actually was quoted as saying this. So this must have been a really dicey situation in Moab. Yeah, it it, it, uh, it escalated quick. And, uh, uh, you know, I think at the beginning, more people were frustrated by it. Uh, but as the, as time has gone on, I, I would say that there's more people in Moab that agree with with the current regulations or, or, or mandates that have been put on lodging and restaurants and such in town. Gotcha. And early on, they're going, ah, oh, no, we can get through this. But now they're real. Now they're seeing the handwriting on the wall, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's a small community, and with so many people coming from so many different places, it's just you know the, the potential for for transmitting it. You know, the virus here into town is just it's big, and so you know, it, it's just been kind of it's been an interesting situation here as it, it developed. I mean, really, Moab was one of the very first places to start locking things down and mandating. And, and as a result, uh, we were kind of one of those first dominoes as far as uh, in the region, as far as canceling events. I and mean, we canceled, we canceled events. What was it? Tuesday, the 10th. Um, and I think that was significantly sooner than everybody else. So we were kind of on the front lines of, of, of the cancellations and people being really frustrated with us. So, yeah, it's been it's been kind of a it's been kind of an interesting situation, you know, being in Moab, defending the runners, trying to to continue with the events um, at the same time, having them, you know, lash out at us and 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 say not such nice things. Mm. What was the you mean the runners weren't saying nice things because they wanted to do the event? Or I don't guess I don't understand that. Yeah, they were just frustrated that we canceled and they thought that, uh, we, we could have continued with the event, uh, especially that first night. It, it, things seemed to get a little better and people seemed to understand a little bit more because like Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, things started to escalate really quick and, uh, just, just a lot of other people started, you know, like like the governor of the state of Utah recommended that that mass gatherings under 50 people be canceled and 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 things of that such so uh shortly after we started canceling some other things started to cancel and and things started to kind of escalate really quick hmm. well it is a small town <laughs> and small town politics can escalate very quickly uh, you you told me I think that you went to a meeting in Moab that 150 people attended to discuss this issue. That's that's getting interesting. Yeah, yeah. So so the Monday night before I went to a city council meeting and I spoke to Moab City Council and I and I just kind of stated our case and where we were at and you know how we felt. Um, the county had treated us in the whole process. And then the next morning there was a county meeting, uh, in, 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 I, I would say there was at least 150 of the, you know, the most prominent business leaders in Moab came 
to the meeting to stand up for the runners and for the events. And I'd kind of put out a call the night before that, you know, I, I was kind of all alone and that I needed some business leaders to, to come and, 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 and step forward and, and, you know, be there to, to kind of defend us. And they came in force that Tuesday morning and, and shared how they felt. And, you know, like you said before, this community is 100% based off of uh, tourism. And so, I mean, the things that's, it just, it's, it's hard to, you know, when you start shutting things down, you have to look at the ripple effect of what, you know, what happens. Um, and, and, and when everybody's pay is based off of, off of tourism and you take that away, it, it has a real negative effect. Really? It's huge. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the Moab economy is, that's it. Hmm. So, yeah. And, and, you know, but like, like it's, it's not really, a real well-off community in the first place. It, it, it's a community that has, you know, uh, a lot of poverty and, and, and a lot of people don't have enough as it is. They're, 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 I don't know the exact number, but there's a very big group of people in town that are living paycheck to paycheck. And, and it's, it, you know, it's costs the services are expensive in town and it's expensive to live here, uh, for, for rent or owning a home. And so this is, this is really, crippled already a challenged community. Right. Right. So your position, so you, you were one, you, you kind of, like you said, that one of the first dominoes to fall. Um, and maybe you took a little heat for that. But since then, what I'm hearing is that it's, it's totally obvious that all races are canceled. There's not really much to discuss. Um, it depends on, like you said, how far out they go right now. You're out until May 23rd. You're keeping that one open. But that first week was tense. Now it's eased up as Evan realized this is the way to go. So what's it, what's it like in Moab right now? Is it, there's a locals gang. Okay. Phew. It's nice and quiet here. Are the locals going, Oh my gosh, how am I going to pay rent? I mean, I, I, I think everybody is just concerned for the future. Uh, you know, they're, they're concerned about the virus coming to town and they're concerned about the economic impacts of the shutdown. I mean, the community in general is just kind of in a bad spot. It's a, it's a lose lose situation, no matter how you look at it. So, cause you can't really, can't really let the tourists in. And, and, and really the, the mandate to limit the lodging came because they canceled mass gathering. So they canceled everything in town. Uh, as far as the events go, well, they canceled everything everywhere else in Utah and Colorado for the, for schools and, and, and throughout the whole country. And so what did everybody do? They said, Hey, we should come to Moab. So the weekend of Canyonlands, that, that like weekend of the 14th, town was so busy. Uh, I mean, it was, it was busier than, Typical. I, I spoke to the, the the owner of the brewery, and he said that they did more than their projections, even though all the events had been canceled. So, it the problem was is just people were just coming here on vacation, and it was just putting our our community at a big risk. And so that the health department really didn't have any other choice because it was our only defense as a community to keep people away. And, and like I said, I mean they were they were. There were people, the streets were just packed with people. The restaurants were packed. I mean, it was like an hour to get into the restaurants in town, hour wait. So it, it was just, I mean, I totally understand why they did it and um, agree with what they did because they just didn't really have a choice. If not, it would have just been a free-for-all. Right. Interesting. Wow. What a, what a description because that weekend that you're describing, 
that was like the second week where I was practicing social distancing and I hadn't been within six feet of anybody except my partner. <laughs> so meanwhile, it's, it's Partyville and Moab and other places too. Remarkable. Um, speaking for Colorado, our governor, Paulus, closed the ski areas even before that, which is a shock. That's a billion dollars right there. He just closed them. And, and like you said, Justin, at first people are going, my gosh, that's kind of draconian. But then you saw it as out-of-town people. And the entire, when you tracked the spread of CV-19 in Colorado, it started in the ski areas. Absolutely. It was Summit County and Pitkin County had all of the cases, and they have gradually spread throughout the state from the ski areas, which is brought in from skiers from Europe, frankly. So Moab kind of had to make that call. Yes, and now town is really quiet, and nobody's out on the trails. <laughs> but that weekend was crazy. Interesting. Wow. Okay. I uh, my partner actually has worked at the Moab Hospital, and she was you know, a strong supporter of that closure. It, there's 17 beds. That's it. <laughs> and there's zero ventilators. They don't even they don't have equipment. And the nearest hospital, as you know, is St. Mary's, which is two hours away in Grand Junction. And so. He, I think what the mayor is quoted as saying, which is a good quote, that people are safer staying home. If you get sick here, it's, it won't be good for you, let alone us. Yeah, and it's, and it's also people who are out here recreating. You know, the search and rescue here in town is the busiest search and rescue in the state of Utah. And so, yeah, I mean, Moab versus people are just out here pushing themselves further than they really should. And yeah, it's just it's just a good time to stay away because, like you said, there just is not a whole lot. The hospital the hospital is short on on N95 masks. They don't have, like you said, they don't have ventilators. They're they're short on supplies, and you know, with all those people in town, it just puts even more pressure on our on our health system. Okay, well, when people listen to this, and there will certainly be links to your website, so people can go to Mad Moose Events and purchase merchandise and sign up for events in the fall because I, I'm just going to offer an editorial here for both you and James, who was on earlier. Um, I encourage the community to support the race directors. You guys aren't exactly buying yachts in the Pacific with your earnings here. And so let's, let's support our community. I agree. Yeah. Now, Anything else you're doing besides the virtual races or anything else besides merchandise to kind of keep the uh, ship running? Currently, that's it. So, uh, there, I mean, being, you know, an event organizer and, and, and not being able to organize events, it puts a big <laughs> challenge on us. <laughs> right. That's what you do. <laughs> Wow, Justin, that's uh, that's a tough one. Well, fortunately, Moab is not going away. You're not going away. And the events, I hope, are not going away because they're great events. So as soon as the, the all clear is issued, I think people are going to just come roaring back. Yeah, you know, when you when you lose something, you realize how much you miss it. I'm sure that there's going to be some people that are frustrated about the way that race directors handled everything, and they're going to feel like they were taken advantage of, and they may not come back into our market. But I do believe that uh, the people that do come back are going to bring that positive energy that we're looking for anyway. Right. 
On a bigger scale, of course, they canceled the Olympics a few days ago. I canceled it. Take that back. They postponed it. And interestingly enough, Justin, the real push came from runners. So the uh, the athletes, even the elite athletes in the United States Track and Field Association, were in agreement. <laughs> you know it's bad when the USATF and the runners are in total agreement. Sorry, a little bit of dark humor there. And the, <laughs> yeah, but you, you know the USATF, they're kind of a little bit of a fat cat type reputation. But uh, the runners in the USATF had the same view. Sebastian Coe, the famous uh, miler, 1,500-meter man from Britain, who's a leader of the world athletics, he pushed hard, said, you just can't do this now. And so they said, okay, we'll postpone it into sometime into 2021, likely. But I was very impressed about the you know, U.S. marathoners because you know, they've already qualified, right? Think of them. Think of you know, Molly Seidel and Jake Riley, who were 101 shots to make the team at the marathon trials. They made the team, and now they're off the team because they're going to have to do this again. And they uh, offered 100% support for the postponement and said, you know, unless it's full on, unless it's the best, I don't want to go. That's an amazing attitude. Yeah. I mean, it's just not the time to be <laughs> It's having something, especially like the Olympics, bringing people from all over the world together into small spaces. So it's better to postpone it and wait it for a year when, when there's just a better time. Right. Well, Justin, anything else you'd like to offer from either your perspective as a race director, as a runner, or as a resident of Moab? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time. It's really good to connect. And again, I I look forward to seeing you there in person next time I'm out there. And again, to all our listeners, you know, support each other. Let's support our community. Just like at restaurants, I go to my favorite Indian place and I call in advance and I pick up at the door. I do takeout to keep them in business. And so hang in there with your race directors, folks. We're all in this together. And thank you for your time, Justin. Thank you, Buzz. Thanks for having me on.